Today's episode is with Jo Murphy. Jo used to be my assistant for a few years. She is now traveling the world as, I guess, what would be referred to as a digital nomad. She doesn't have a home address. She just travels the world working as a Facebook ads specialist. And she's a bit of a legend, actually. So I wanted to get Jo on today because of her unique way of dealing with her anxiety, uh, moving through her PTSD after an abusive relationship, and it's travelling. Her expression is travel, and it's been a tool for her to really get to know herself, get to trust herself again, and slowly, I think, start to like herself. So I won't talk too much about what this episode is about. I think it's a really cool conversation with a really cool human doing really cool shit in the world. So may I introduce to you, Joe Murphy. Creativity, self-expression and feelings. Creativity, self-expression and feelings. Make some noise, 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 make some noise. Make some noise. It's a podcast. Okay, let's hear it. Hey, I'm Joe Murphy. I am a academic refugee, escaped the ivory tower. I'm a social media specialist who specializes in Facebook and Instagram, and I'm a digital nomad. I um. I just arrived in Cambodia after a 16-hour flight from the United States, and before that I was in Bolivia. So um, I live my life on the road while I, while I work online. And that is and... me sum, summed up very, very briefly <laughs> without any of the essential details. Yeah, yeah, only one label there, which is nice, um, which was Nomad. So, right, uh, digital nomad, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the reason, like, okay, so I just want to give everyone a bit of a backstory to you and I. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we, Joe was my assistant for a number of years when I was working with Radcasters. I think you started with me before I started Radcasters. Yeah, it was um, when Mabel was just very, very tiny. It was, um, yeah. yeah, you were in the old house. Mabel was really little. You still had the office collective, but you still had mm-hmm. that office. It would have been, I think, yeah, 20, was... 20, 2014, I think yeah. it was. Yeah. So a and long so then time ago. You helped me really build um, Radcasters, like literally build it. Yeah. And, and promote it and all that kind of jazz. Mm-hmm. And uh, and we've just been friends ever since. Yeah. So, basically. Um, Joe was actually a guest on Carlosophies a few years ago when she had just kind of come out of a pretty shitty relationship. Um, didn't really, you weren't really clear on where you were going in life, uh, mm-hmm. who you were. <laughs> and at the end of the conversation, we were just talking about this off air. So do you want to say what you actually said at the end of the conversation? So we were having this conversation about like how I just had no idea where my life was going. And I sort of had no, like I had a kind of almost a complete blank slate. And I just made this sort of a side comment about how, you know, something I could do that would be kind of exciting would just be to buy a plane ticket and just keep going and just travel around different countries and kind of just see what I liked. And that is kind of exactly what I'm doing now. <laughs> so it's a little bit, it was a little bit weird listening to it. I was like, that's a bit, uh, that's a bit prophetic. <laughs> it was, that was a, that was a moment. Yeah. I ended up, it would have been 
probably about, I'm trying to remember when that actually was that we recorded it. It would have been a few months later that I was sitting on um, the stairs at mum's house and bought a ticket to Cambodia just like, because I was about to turn 30 and I was just like, I just need to do something. Like I just need to do something. And so I bought a ticket to Cambodia just completely. But I don't like, I remember after I bought it, I was just like, oh my God, what the hell have I done? <laughs> like it was just this moment of crap. Like this is something I've always really wanted to do. Like I've always really wanted to go somewhere that's unique and different. Um, but yeah, there was a lot of like, what have I done? And then, yeah, that was, um, and then I had a, like about a month to worry about it. <laughs> and then, yeah, got on a plane to and Australia for my 30th birthday and then, and then landed in Asia, which was uh, and a whole new world opened up to you. So, oh, yeah, it was crazy. So, let's talk about where you were, uh, like emotionally back then. So, um, like a lot of people who get out of um, emotionally and verbally abusive relationships, I had what they call CPTSD. So um, when it was really bad right at the beginning, things would happen. Like um, there was one moment I remember quite clearly, well, I don't remember a lot of it actually, where I was out with my grandma and something had flicked a switch in my brain and I was just back where I had been. Like I was back in that house being screamed at. And it was just like, I, I like you get stuck and you can't get out and the panic just keeps rising. And the worst part of it is, is like, you know, it's coming and you know, it's starting. You kind of can't stop it. And anyway, so I ended up like I ended up completely unable to remember how to get home. And obviously my grandma's in her, like, she's almost 90. Like there's no way she could have, you know, helped me with that. And she didn't know what to do. So I had to like call my brother to come pick me up because I could not remember how to get back to my house. Um, well, there were other times when like I would go, I went through a phase where I couldn't, I couldn't even sleep in a room by myself for a long time. Like I had to share a room with my mom. And then, um, yeah, our conversation was just after that, like just after I'd moved into sleeping in a room by myself. Like the nights when she was at work, I was at my brothers twice um because yeah and he and Harriet let me stay on their couch and they would leave their bedroom door open which they usually did anyway because of Erica but um yeah but it's just so I wasn't on my own and then I sort of was starting to get better um slowly the the absolute lowest point of it would have been in July because I was just remembering like every single day I just couldn't my brain was just completely fried like I couldn't like I had no sort of sense of no sense of self because it had just been completely taken from me. But then I sort of started sort of July, August to start to get a little bit better. Um, you know, it was like, I was still, um, I still, I had one really bad episode. It was someone um, with work had accused me of something I hadn't done. And I like was looking at the screen, feeling like I was going crazy and that was it was the exact same emotion of always like you know she would tell me like you know if she'd said the sky is green I would have questioned my like myself rather than her so it was this moment of being thrown back into that emotion and then when the person's um, online business manager had said oh actually no you did make that change I'm sorry like I was like oh my god I was right I was right because I felt like it was me that was wrong 
it was like really and hard that's to what explain. I remember yeah but, but I remember like, that period of time there was you know I remember like a lot of messaging between you and I like just with simple questions like is this normal yeah is this you know is this like is this reaction normal? Is this person's behaviour normal? Is this, you know, because mm-hmm. like it was almost like you didn't have a compass for what was yeah, true and what was not true. That sort of came later in the piece, I think, because that was when I was sort of okay enough that I could ask the questions. And then, yeah, yeah. I did have that one bad episode where I was like in the corner screaming at anybody who tried to come near me. But it was like, and that, t- and it usually would take me like a few days to recover too because it's exhausting. Like, just the emotional and like yeah it's it's like it's hard to explain to anybody who hasn't had it it's like it just like a something will something will remind you of something and then you just like you just get like rubber band flicked back into it and you know and it happens less often as you get to know your triggers and you get to know like there's certain things now that I like I don't know if I would still react to them but it's certain things that I just know I'm best to stay away from um and things like that. I mean, I'm sure there's triggers that I didn't even, like when I was in Minneapolis recently, like there was a few things that kind of triggered me that I didn't even know. Um, it was just, I was, um, I was staying with a friend and it was just situations I would never have found myself in prior to that. Um, so, you know, there were triggers that came up there that I didn't even kind of know that I had, but, um, yeah, I mean, for the most part, it's a lot better than sort of, you know, sort of August, I started to feel like maybe, I would, you know, like thinking about maybe going overseas for my 30th, I was kind of at a point where I thought I'd be all right to go. There was some worry about it. Like there was definitely some worry about like what happens if I get really badly triggered and I'm overseas um, and I don't know anybody um, in that country, but I figured I'd probably be okay. So um, there was a massive anxiety attack before I got on the plane like I was in Melbourne airport, like on the floor, losing it. Um, and then when I got to Cambodia, there were definitely a few days where I didn't even go out. Like I just stayed, um, like I stayed in the apartment and kind of looked over the balcony and hung out with the cats um, for like the first two days. And then I started to venture out. And then that sort of when I started to, when things sort of started to change, I think was kind of yeah yeah because yeah, it feels almost like um yeah I don't know I just had this like image of being in a cocoon almost and then just slowly like stretching your boundaries you know it yeah because it start the it, when you're in that place where it's like oh my god life is really fucking scary and everything mm-hmm. is really fucking scary then it's like you know yeah you just need to take like tiny little stretches and tiny little things make a huge difference it's just like a series of tiny little things that add up to big change and it feels like that's almost what has been your journey over the last couple of years is just like little stretches that have added up. I mean it's also huge like you deciding to go from um, you know, being with your mum to jumping on a plane and going to a country where you knew no one, didn't know the language, mm-hmm. like yeah. work by yourself. In retrospect, probably like, you know, a great example of a terrible idea, but. <laughs> <laughs> but you did um, it and you survived and, and actually 
started to thrive. Yeah, I think that Southeast Asia was almost the perfect choice because it is just like batshit crazy here. And I love it. But it's just like Cambodian logic is like the best copy that you can get in all of Sam Reap is in a laundry. Like the best barista, like who's won all the awards, works out of a laundromat. And I'm like, that just in Cambodian, like logic, that makes perfect sense. So it was just like, I think what it was is the biggest problem I had was just trusting my instincts, like learning, like you, like I just had no faith in my own gut because I'd just mm. been told things like, um, there was an incident where I had been sent a text message and been invited somewhere. I get there and then, you know, her dad starts telling everybody that I, you know, that I had just come up, you know, no invitation that they tried so hard to make me welcome and all this stuff. And I was like, looking at the message on my phone and then, you know, just like him saying, well, you know, you must have done that. And there's no feasible way I could have, but then, you know, you start to wonder if it's you and then, you know, just stuff like that. So it was just, um, you know, you've been completely trained out of trusting even the most fundamental instincts that you have, like you're constantly told that what you're seeing is wrong, what you, you know, that there's, that there's no way that this is the reality. I mean, it's a defense mechanism for them. Like they don't want you to see that they're being shit weasels. So it's just like, well, they want to control, manipulate you. So it's just like completely training you out of trusting your own instincts. So getting to this place that's just completely insane, like insane. And just even just across the road, you have to completely be willing to, um, you just have to trust yourself. Like you just have to, like there's like, if you can't, even have that basic trust in yourself and your ability to get across that road, like you just won't be able to do anything. So it was just like, yeah, like, cause the traffic here and, and it's sort of like, I mean, it makes sense to me now, like the traffic here, like they kind of don't follow road rules, but they're all yeah. very aware of everybody on the road. Like they're yes. so aware of each other that it's kind of almost weirdly safer. Mm. Um, but so like just to get across the road with everybody going in all directions, you have to like, just trust that you're making the right choice. And even if you don't, like, it's like, well, either you just make the choice or you stay here stuck. And then things like, you know, just shopping or, you know, just, and then times when you need help, kind of just having to throw yourself on the kindness of strangers, I guess, um, as well, that like you just have to, like, there was a time when I was stuck outside my house because they were like, so I just got to this Airbnb and there was a dog there and I had no idea if the dog was friendly. And here it usually goes either way. Like they're either a guard dog or they're a pet. Like, I mean, I guess that's like anywhere, but if they're a guard dog and you, and I, if it was a guard dog and I opened that gate, I would not have been in a good situation. So, I mean, I assumed it was probably friendly given they hadn't mentioned it, but I was like, I need to like use a phone because my phone had died. And so I just had to like flag down a stranger because it was 11 o'clock at night. It's like, either, like, you know, my choices are basically ask a stranger for help and trust that they're going to help me and not like screw me over or I, you know, potentially get myself eaten. So it was just like, you end up in these choices that kind of almost aren't a choice and you just have to trust yourself and your instincts just to get by. And I think, um, solo traveling as well, because you have to, it's not like I have a partner with me. It's not like I have a family member or a friend with me that if things go to crap, I can trust them or I can ask them for help. I just have to I just kind of have to rely on myself. And so it's very much kind of been a retraining. And I think as well, like the stuff that used to ruffle me 
doesn't so much anymore as well. Like the stuff that used to cause me like a full on panic attack used like now I just, I don't know if it's just that I've grown as a person or also that it's just a case of when you're in a situation where you kind of, I don't know, I'm trying to think like, I don't know, like when I was in Guatemala and I got that parasite and I was just horrendously unwell, like you kind of don't really have time to worry about whether someone thinks you're fat or whatever. Like you just kind of, <laughs> you just, just, you don't, like you can't, like it's or just the stuff that would usually bother you in social interactions or like, oh my God, am I being weird? Or like, um, you know, what if this person yeah. is a serial killer? Like whatever, like, I don't know. Like you kind of just have to, you just like the stuff that's the little stuff you kind of just can't pay mind to because it yeah just... which is a big part of anxiety right like a big part of anxiety is 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 you giving attention to like all of these little doubts and little fears yeah so it's like um I, I'm just when you said you know I, you're not worrying if someone thinks you're fat it's like <laughs> like that is the stuff that takes up the brain space when you're yeah when you're dealing when you're living with anxiety right it's like oh my god did that I'm like overthinking what yeah um, like how you someone look. has said to you or like it's like did I know? use the wrong word in this situation like yeah yeah you know, have I, I offended I, them or yeah and it's know? not like it doesn't happen like the other day I'd had a conversation with a friend about like I'd ask them if we could take a particular topic off the table and then they just ignored me for like a day well not even ignored me it was just like they were doing other stuff I guess and like so you know my anxiety did ramp up it's not like I don't have anxiety anymore like I you know I just care a lot about things so I'm sort of predisposed I guess to be a little bit anxious um you know and then when I was in Guatemala as well like I sort of had um Actually, no, it was, it was Honduras. I had, um, I'd been really unwell and nobody could tell me why. Like mm. I'd had a whole bunch of tests done. I even went to a specialist and they were just like, yeah, straight up, like there's something wrong with you, but we just have no idea what it is. Um, so that obviously sparked a whole lot of anxiety that something was seriously wrong. Um, but so it's not like I don't have anxiety anymore. It's not like I don't have days where my nerves feel like they're on fire. Like it's not like I've just completely become somebody who doesn't have this issue. Totally. It, it just affects me less and in different ways. Yeah, and in ways. different ways. Yeah, and that's the key, right? Because it no longer is it where where a small thing would have sent you into a shit spiral before mm-hmm. of questioning and doubt and all that kind of jazz. It's now the bigger stuff. Like, yeah. You know, like wondering if you're going to die or not. <laughs> like, and yeah. not And not, um, not like wondering if you're going to die just because you're in a shit spiral of negative thinking, but literally mm-hmm. there's something wrong with you and you and you don't know what it yeah. is. Like that is it's, like legitimate, legitimate things to worry about. Where, yeah, for sure. Whether or, whether or not wh- like making meaning from someone else's behaviour and then mm-hmm. getting into a shit spiral about that is not necessarily a a, a great use of time and energy. And yeah, like it still impacts me. It's just like but it's not – it's, I'm, I, I simply don't have the capacity or the ability to let it take up my whole day anymore because I've just got to, there are just things I have to do. And I think as well with traveling, like the reason I think it's helped more than anything other than just learning to trust my own instincts is that it's just constant proof in your face that people for the most part are good and they want to help you. And also that everything is kind of going to turn out okay. Like it may not be super amazing in the moment, 
but that things will in one way or another turn out okay. Like I um like when I was in Maine, like a few months ago, I had a client and basically what they did, it was pretty like horrible actually. We've been working together for about two years. And then they just sent me a message saying, oh, we're having inventory issues. We need to pause ads for a month. And I was like, okay. They were like my biggest contract, made up the bulk of my income. Um, so I was like, all right. So if they just pause for a month, I've got some savings, I'll be all right. Turns out what they did is they got somebody who would do it at a fraction of the cost to just rip off all my ads and just run them much cheaper. And so it was like just massive anxiety there was no um no like I couldn't see how things were going to turn out okay but then they kind of did because I had I ended up just spontaneously launching a 21 day challenge as you do like when you're sitting on someone's couch having an anxiety attack that's a really good time to launch a new <laughs> like to launch a new opt-in that requires a lot of your time and energy um and then I ended up having this really successful launch so like it's just like even when things are like not good and you can't see any way that they might turn out it's just like I've just had proof time and time again throughout the last two years of being on the road that that things kind of do turn out. And so I think that helps too is that even when I'm sort of letting my anxiety take the floor, it doesn't stay there because there is this sort of underlying belief that, yeah, things might be really shit for a while. And for a while it could – like a while could be a long time. But um, – you don't have any control point, over that either. Yeah, you know, like, at some point. I, yeah, I think that's the thing too. Like you, like I can't control whether, um, you know, someone, I don't know, like in Colombia I lost my debit card. Like I can't control that. I can't control, um, you know, whether my car breaks down. I can't control whether the lock on my Airbnb is working. I can't control, like there's so many things I can't control. I feel like the only thing I can control really it, or like the only things I can control are like trying to live a life that I'm proud of because that's something you can control whether things are great or whether things are shit. You can kind of control to some extent whether like you can look back and just say, I did the best I possibly could with the resources I had and how I was feeling in that moment. So it's kind of, um, yeah, it's it's just a really different playing field these days or a different ball game, I think. You know, I it's hard to get like if you sort of when you get to that point of like this is what I can control, this is what I can't. It doesn't mean you don't get completely ripped to shreds by stuff you can't control because I think it's stupid to to be like this is all happening for me when really it's more like well this is just really crap. And like sometimes things are just terrible. Like, and I don't buy into the rhetoric of like you can control your life with your thoughts, or like sometimes your reality is just going to be really terrible, and that's just kind of how it's going to be. The only thing I think you can really control is just yeah, like I mean, is just sort of who like trying to be who you want to be, and you're not always going to get it right, but to at least try and live a life or be a person that you can be proud of. I think that's the only kind of thing you can. Yeah. And I feel like um, on that front, for me particularly, it really is all about presence, like just being present mm. to whatever it is. So because yeah. there is a lot of, um, you know, having been in this personal development world for a long time, um, you know, when I first started out, I had an online magazine called Think Beautiful. 
And yep. its tagline was, you know, um, thoughts. I saw the run- I saw the running blogger. I saw that. Yeah, that yeah, was yeah. <laughs> Create beautiful th- ones, right? Like, so it was about like, you know, how your thoughts can change your life and all that kind of shit. And uh, and now I now it's about. But, but you know what? Like that that kind of thinking actually didn't do me any favors because what I ended mm. up doing was like guilting in my myself into things like gratitude, you know, right. like, and. And then inside me just became this like passive aggressive, distrustful, yeah. resentful person who on the outside was really grateful, on the inside was like, fuck my life kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So it's like, um, yeah. <laughs> so we can, you know, change changing our thoughts if if it works for you, great. But yeah. for me, the thing that has really worked is just presence in whatever I am, you know? So it's like, okay, this is this is feels really shit for me right now, but I'm here and I'm in it. And eventually it'll shift and, you know, I'll be in a different place. But right now I'm here. It's like acceptance and presence. Well, I think as well you sort of get to a point where you realise that what works for everyone else isn't going to work for you, especially living in different cultures and what is so normal to them and what feels good to them is just not going to be necessarily right for you or you sort of learn a bit. You you sort of get a massive spotlight on your own habits and your own preferences when you're thrown into something that is so like not even um, antithetical to it, like it's not like it's clashing. It's more just like, it's just different. Like Mm. the way that you relax is different. The way that you connect with people is different. And so it's just like you reach this point of there is, and we we sort of, we talked about this a little bit in our last conversation too. And I'm still, you know, it's just something I've kind of had driven home that everybody is so different the only time I actually have a problem with people saying that kind of stuff is when they assume that it's the reality for everybody. And they're like, yes. you just haven't got there yet. Or you just haven't seen the light yet. Or it's like, you know, you, you don't get it now, but you will. And it's like, well, no. <laughs> um, and it's very I different, I feel so. like, you know, when you've travelled the world and you've seen all kinds of things, it's very hard to believe that everything does happen for us because well, there's yeah. so much atrocity and shit in the world that, you know, like it's it's almost like I think I was saying to you on a like, you know, Instagram or um, yeah. messenger thing about the idea of like that that's a really privileged place to come from, you know? Oh, for sure. I think, um, you know, I sort of look at there's people I meet here who – they're probably significantly smarter than me. They would create better ads than me. They would deal with situations a lot better than me. But I was born a white girl in New Zealand with parents who privileged education and they were born here in the aftermath of genocide and, you know, with very few opportunities. And, like, it's sort of, yeah, it's sort of like I just don't, you you sort of when somebody says something like, you know, you create your own reality. I'm like, well, no, like, you you know, the cards are so stacked in your favor in so many ways. And it's like, it would be awesome if we could live in a world like that. If we could live in a world where that was the reality where everybody, it was all about mindset that we were creating our own reality, that we could, you know, choose our own thoughts. But it's like, I met a little boy in Honduras. He was four. He was being rehabilitated after um, after being trafficked. Um, no idea how to interact with adults or understand love in a way that wasn't that. And I sort of look at that and I just think, how can you be so blind as to as to not understand that 
what you're saying is what we should be fighting for, not the way things are. We should be trying to get the world to a point where we could say that about anybody, where the only obstacle for any person is just their is just their thinking. Like imagine yeah. that would be so awesome. Yeah. But it's just not the way things are. Um so that's that's when it bugs me is when it's like um, you know, when people kind of say it like it's universal truth. And I'm like, well, not really. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I just had a look at the messenger. What I had said was freedom lives between your ears, as in like, you know, Mm -hmm. in your mind, when you live a life of privilege, right? Because it's like uh, when and even just like if we backtrack a few years ago to when you are like really in the trauma of what was going on, mm-hmm. you don't have the mental capacity to be able to change your mindset, oh, right? Like sure. it's survival. And when you're in survival, you're not in like, you know, thrival, whatever. Mm-hmm. And I think <laughs> that it's is. like it's it's interesting as well in terms of that, like how much other people's comments around that affected me too. And, you know, going overseas, people have no idea about my history. They don't, um, you know, the way I interact with them is very different. But I remember July 2017, like I still mark that as like the darkest, darkest point. It was my mental health at that time. Like I was about to get on a plane to Melbourne and like my mum had to pack my bag for me because I just was so anxious. I couldn't even function. And I was worried I wouldn't be able to get on the plane. Um, And it just like someone made a comment behind my back about, me being negative and draining and I was just like and I let that for such a long time every time I said something I was worried like oh my god am I being too negative and I think that's the thing too like with anxiety you take on other people's stuff like you take on the comments that they made about you like one like if you're predisposed to anxiety one tiny comment that someone made, and they were probably making it on a day that they were pissed off with me or something. And they were probably drained emotionally, didn't well, have yeah. the capacity or space to be able and like to. 100% during that time when I was that low, like I was negative and probably quite draining. Like, you know, and I look at that now with a bit more perspective. But at the time, it was like that comment followed me for years. Like, like pretty much probably like, yeah, for probably at least a good year, that comment followed me. And I think that's just what anxiety does is that it puts things into an amplifier. Mm, it's it like things, yeah, it's, meaning like, to small it's like just a, me- it's just a megaphone that just sits on top of everything that you're going through that to most people would not be, it'd be like, well, that person kind of sucks. All right. I guess they're just having a bad day. Cause like, you know, you know, they're not a bad person. You know, that they do genuinely care about you. It was just like a comment probably made in frustration. And see, that's like normal people thinking, normal people thinking. But like, you know, if you're an anxious person, like predisposed to anxiety, that that megaphone goes on it and it sort of just becomes, but then, yeah. You're draining. You're negative. Everybody hates you. you make a comment that you just think, oh my God, did I seem like, was I negative? Was I draining? Oh my God. Like, like, and then you start like rethinking over every single little thing you say, like 500 times. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. Did I say the right thing? 
And I still do that. Like, you know, there's definitely times when I'll send a message to something, I'm like, oh, fuck, what did I just say? And then I'll like, go to friend, like, was this like just a really, like, was this bad? Like, how bad was this? Like, this, like, what did I yeah. just do? Um, but then I think, um, but it happens less often. And it kind of only happens when it's a time when I probably should question what I maybe should, like, should have yeah. maybe said. Totally. Um, yeah. But, and, yeah. you know, with, um, on, on that front, like, I think the overthinking of how to respond to people is, uh, like, I can only speak from an anxiety perspective because I actually don't even really I feel like I'm kind of I still have anxious moments but I don't feel like I'm ruled by my anxiety anymore yeah and I so I have the space from it I was like part of it though is that I don't have time to entertain those thoughts when I'm on the road because it's like I just don't have time like it's you know like when I have to make a decision about where I'm going next I have a very limited window to do that, like, because you have to buy your exit flight for the next country before you leave the one you're in. And, like, yeah, it does cause me quite a lot of stress and anxiety, worrying that I'm going to make the wrong decision, worrying something's going to go wrong on the plane, worrying that, you know, I might say the wrong thing to the wrong person or I might, you know, whatever. But my window on that is so short. Mm. Like, it's just, I can't, like, there's just no time to entertain it. And then also, like, just things like, um, I don't know, like buses being late or things not working out you just don't have time or capacity and I feel like that's had a role on effect in terms of now when I have those anxious thoughts they don't kind of live with me for months on end yeah and I feel like there's a there's a part of that too which is that you have cultivated trust within yourself through going on this adventure and putting yourself into these uncomfortable situations and learning to trust yourself and the universe, you know, or whatever, whatever yeah, and I've, you um, want to call it. And I've learned to just move out of them because I just have to move out of them, constantly having to move out of them because I'm moving to a new place or I'm physically always on the move. So I think being physically always on the move has kind of enabled me to be more mentally on the move. Like when things just sort of like usually where they would just dig it, those thoughts would just like dig in like thorns and just you'd feel it rising in your chest and your nerves kind of like, it's really hard to explain, but people who have anxiety always get it. It's like the way your nerves feel like they're burning. And like for, it take, it's usually in different parts of the body for different people. Yeah, for me, mine's it's my, my tummy. Mine's my arms. Like it's just really? like. Really? Arms? Yeah. Like it's it, sort so of starts to, it sort of starts to tense up around my neck. My neck always turns ah, bright, bright right. red. And then my arms, like I'll feel it like going through into my fingers, um, yeah. running down my arms into my fingers. But yeah, it takes place in different places in the body for different people, but it's the same yeah. sensation. Yeah, but the yeah. burning, burning, yeah. swirling. Uh, yeah. Oh God, feels like yeah. fire needles. <laughs> yeah, like you can physically feel it. Yeah, And it's totally. just, but you can't, like I, I 100% still, like I wouldn't, I don't think I'm ever going to be a person who doesn't have anxiety. I think it's just how I'm wired. And in some ways I think it is a, it's a good thing. Like I think it's a good thing that I care so much about people and things. And I think it's good that I want things to go right and that I pay attention to detail and that I have a good memory and all these things. Like I think it's a, like, it can be a really good thing, but it's sort of, it's a, getting it to a point where it doesn't, like you say, like, it doesn't control you. It doesn't run your life anymore. That it's um just a it's like it's like the annoying kid that you just have to hang out with because you were friends with like during childhood because your parents wanted to hang out together. It's like it just comes along for the ride and you're like, I don't really like you that much, but all right, you know, you're here. let's just like <laughs> let's just get on with it. Like it's just I guess we just have to hang out, you know, because you have this shared history. I don't know. Yeah. And channeling that, you know, like I've found personally just channeling some of that energy 
into creating things. Like, mm. you know, even just like that, not not as a form of distraction from what you're feeling, but just like actually channeling that energy into other things. So, you know, for example, you were talking before about like, you know, being in a really anxious place and being like, oh my God, you know, I don't, I don't know how I'm going to feed myself mm-hmm. without this client. Oh, I'm going to go and create a 21 day challenge. Like that's actually taking that anxiety and creating something productive mm. from it. Yeah. I think too, like being in different situations and new places, there's just so much more opportunity for distraction. So I think it's allowed it to mm. become a habit. Like, um, you know, when I'm at home, and things are just completely running out of control. Like, you know, when I'm at mum's place, I don't really have, like, I mean, I, I haven't really cultivated a life for myself in New Zealand. Like, yeah, I mean, I have my siblings. I love hanging out with them. But there's, you know, and it's where I grew up. Like, my options are, like, go to the movies, go to the grocery store. Like, it's not, you know, I probably could be more adventurous, but I'm not. So it just, it does allow me to sit in that space. Like I'll just stay in my room and sit in it or I'll go for a walk and I'll sit in it. Whereas here, like I'll jump on a motorbike and just get out and do something. Or like, um, like when I was in Guatemala having that really bad anxiety, like I was getting really worked up over like, what is the meaning of my life? Like I was having a massive existential crisis. I mean, there was a whole lot of stuff that fed into that. Like I'd had a big breakdown of a relationship. Um, you know, or like big issues in a relationship at the start of the year. And then I'd got on a plane a month earlier than I had intended to, which meant I had no savings. Um, like I remember walking to the traffic and conversion summit, messaging you and feeling like I should not go. I just shouldn't go. Um, and just, yeah, like it was, you know, but at the same time, because I was in this new place, I could go out and I could go like check out some of the awesome churches or I could go look at the volcanoes and like, there was just so much opportunity to look at new things and just be in a new space, I guess. Mm. Um, there, there, you know, there wasn't, um, there, there were ways to not, there, like, I mean, it wasn't like the problems just went away. It was just Yeah, but it almost of- gives you a maybe like I don't know if this you can totally tell me if I'm off here, but like I like the beach for me is a place where I go because I can connect to something that is like, way bigger than me and in mm-hmm. in the in the grand scheme of things I get perspective about how small my little problems are like you know it's yeah. like and and how how I am just part of something way 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 bigger and it feels like almost like the world has given you this perspective it's so big mm. it's so large it's so expansive and there you are in it you know yeah. and there definitely there definitely is that there's it's like there's so much beyond like and I think for me it's it's more like I mean as much as I love getting out into nature like one of my favorite places is Costa Rica because I could go out and hike in the cloud forest and things that was amazing but um it's also the people like you just meet all these people who have their own problems their own stuff and you realize that like you you, every single person on the planet has shit so you've been worrying about being negative and draining and like but the other people are probably worrying about that too and we kind of and the way that you and you sort of um think about how you perceive them when they come to you with their problems or the way you perceive them when they're going through stuff and you kind of think well maybe other people think of me that way that you know one comment is not the way the rest of the universe thinks about me um you know, and then, yeah, speaking of Costa Rica, like that was definitely a nature is bigger than me moment because I, so I'd gone to do the cloud forest hike and I have this like irrational fear of mountain lions. (laughs) 
it's very intense. Like anytime I think there may be a possibility that there is a mountain lion somewhere within enough of a vicinity that they could be anywhere near me, it just takes over. Because like, because I read, I made the mistake of reading this article about how they can stalk you for two hours without you even knowing. And by the time you see one, you're dead and how they get you on the back of your head. And so this became a whole thing. And so every time I see it, like, you know, people are like, oh, amazing wildlife, there's mountain lions. I'm like, amazing wildlife, is that right? <laughs> it's just like, I can't deal, cannot deal with the possibility of mountain lions. So I was about to do the Monteverde Cloud Forest hike. And this is something I had wanted to do for a really long time. I was living in a treehouse in Costa Rica because, of course, I was. Because um, you're then- a hipster. Oh yeah, um, a digital so, nomad hipster. Yeah, basically, because of course, of course, I was. That's just that's what my life looks like. And then I went to do this hike. It's like a three-hour hike. And I started off, and it was a little bit rainy, which meant it was beautiful. Like it's it's one of the most biodiverse areas in the world because it's where two different wind channels meet, and it's stunning. Like it's just next level. Um, and you know, this is incredibly popular. Like these trails are well tramped, like mountain lions are actually quite scared of humans. I could give you more facts about mountain lions, but I feel like I'm gonna just like stone. <laughs> I'm pretty back. sure I'm pretty sure you've researched that within oh, an yeah, inch of just completely. <laughs> like to try and comfort myself and it just didn't work out. Um, because everything I found out about them just made them more terrifying and more prevalent. <laughs> and now I just see them everywhere. Um, but then I, so I was doing this hike and at first it was like, crap, this is not a good idea. I'm on the trail alone, like what if something happens? And I sort of was like, all right. So, like, I'm very into self-talk these days. Like, I just have a conversation with myself. And so I was like, all right. So this is a really popular trail because I was really worried about getting in so far that I, I couldn't love, go back. I just have to say, I love that you're into self-talk these days. <laughs> I just talk to myself out loud. Yeah. Like, out I loud. do the same thing. I mean, I have a podcast where I'm walking on the beach talking to myself. So I am yeah, but very at least you have. At you're... least it looks like you're being legitimate, right? Whereas I'm just walking <laughs> by myself talking. Uh, like, you're like, no, I have a podcast. I'm like, no, I'm just having a conversation. <laughs> it's all good. No, so I'm walking, I'm having this conversation with myself about, all right, so the possibility of there being mountain lions in this area because it is so highly trafficked by humans is really low. Um, yeah, I had no reception on my phone as well. And so I was just like, all right, you you saw other people come in here. There are other people not that far away. Chances are you just keep going. You're going to run into somebody eventually. If something happens, somebody saw you come in, they're going to, you know, be like, well, that, you know, weird hipster chick covered in tattoos didn't come out. And so they will come and like, somebody will come and look for you. Like, you know, even though I knew logically, maybe that wasn't true. Like start with the self-talk. And then I started to get tired and, um, because it was altitude and like I have a little tendency, like I have a bit of a tendency towards asthma anyway. And I started to worry like, what if I have a really bad asthma attack or something? And then I started to hear my ex-partner's voice in my head because she used to do things like dump me in the middle of nowhere. And whenever we went, um, you know, walking out in the woods or the bush or whatever, she would always be like, like, you know, how are you going to cope? Her biggest thing was like, um, you know, we can't have children because look at you, like you can't even keep up. Like how are you supposed to look after a child if you can't even keep up with the dog? And like um, just all of these nasty little things like, um, you know, you're so useless. Like, oh, I love you. You're just so crappy at this. Like, you know, just all these comments like in my head over and over and over. And I could start, and I think what it was is because I hadn't really done like a decent in the woods hike since I'd been with her. and so. 
when I'd sort of got my own stuff out of the way, then her stuff started to come in because, you know, anxiety is just really fun. It's mm, just, yeah. it's just, it's great. Um, and so, but then I kept going and I kept going and I kept going and I just let that mean stuff just come in. Like I just let it come in. And then I got to the top where you can see the continental divide and I was on the top of this hill and I actually made it. And I was standing there looking at like the clouds rushing over the trees and seeing like the line between Central and South America. And I was like, I made it. Like I actually did it. Like, and it's sort of, um, that was a big moment for me because it was proving to myself that those thoughts aren't true. Mm that I actually did it. And so I may have done it slower than everybody else. I may have done it, you know, freaking out the whole time, but I did it. And so it's like, you know, I can do these things even though I have anxiety. Like my anxiety doesn't have to stop me from doing these things. It's just something that comes along on the ride. And then also like going forward from there. And I had to do it a few more times before it kind of really sunk in, but it was just like, you hear the thoughts and you do it anyway which I think is kind of where my anxiety was holding me back as I was letting those thoughts dictate and kind of take over. Whereas now there's been enough times where like, I mean, it was just at that point, there was no opportunity for me to turn back. Like either I just had to keep going or I just sat down and gave up. Um, and you know, then and you'd was, still have to fucking go back anyway. You know? Yeah. Like, and like I mean, there really is not a lot same, of choice. Yeah, like same thing happened in Colombia. Like I went on this hike. I was the only person on the trail that day. There was Garrett, there was mountain lions in that area, <laughs> incidentally, because, of course, I knew there was. Um, I'd seen the signs and I'd also done my research. But, like, so there, it turned out they don't put this on any of the maps that there is a vertical drop and it's intense. Like it's huge, like the size of a two-story house where you just have to climb down a rope and it's like there's knots on the rope and it's like not attached to anything. There's no safety guards. There's no harness. I had learned to abseil at Girl Guides. So that was helpful. Thanks, mum, for that. Um, <laughs> so I climbed down this rope and then I'm at the bottom. I go to the waterfall. I realise there's no other way out, but I have to climb back up the rope. Aww. And it's like it's that moment of like as I was climbing up the rope, like I was in tears I was freaking out. I was like, if I fall, I'm going to die. Like there just was no, like, I mean, I would have, like there was no question about it. Like it's like there was rocks at the bottom and everything. And so it was just like, but there were little outcrops I could kind of lean on while holding on the rope to give myself a bit of a rest. And, but it was just like, what choice do I have? Like, I just have to keep going. And it's like, other people, like, this is the thing that always used to get me is I would see other people on hiking trails and stuff like that while I was traveling and watch them going so fast. I was like, why is it so easy for you? Like, why can you just do these things and leap in? It's an adventure and it's a laugh, whereas I'm freaking out. But then at the same time, like, I got to the top, I climbed the rope, had to lie down for like, a, like half an hour because, um, like, climbing a two-story house size rock wall with a rope is not exactly like I'm not the fittest person in the world it was just like Jesus um but like I did it and I did it even though I had all of these thoughts running through my brain so it's like just that proof time and time again like it's like I keep saying like I'm not ever going to be a person who doesn't have anxiety but I'm a person who's learned not to let it control me anymore and who doesn't let us play out as long as it used to that doesn't let it sort of sit as long as it used to because if I can climb up to the line between two continents with all of those voices in my head and if I can um climb a giant like I mean 
really, I should have just not gone down it in the first place. <laughs> but at the same time, I didn't know there wasn't another path out. The map was not particularly well drawn. I mean, in, in, in retrospect, it was probably not the smartest thing I've ever done. But at the same time, I mean, the waterfall was amazing. But also you went down so you could come back and have that experience. Yeah, and then also, like, this is my favourite part. So, you know, um, Pablo Escobar, the guy with the drug cartel? So this was at his house. You had the houses with, like, wines with money rotting. No, this was it. This was it. That was at um, El Catedral. That that was the house. That was where the waterfall was. So this is where this giant rope thing was. It was, like, part of his gardens. Um, And so... I went and like, so I did this. And then by the time I got out, it was really late. And so I couldn't get an Uber. So I ended up having to go. So it's a rest home now. So I ended up having to go and talk to these old dudes at the rest home in Spanish with cigarettes hanging out of their mouth, like, you know, Colombian, um, you know, got their swagger going on. And I talked to them and try and figure out how to get a ride eventually ended up jumping in a luxury minivan with a bunch of rich millionaire Venezuelans on their way to a coffee farm so I could get a ride to the next town. And I'm just like looking at that. I'm just like half of the stuff that I've ended up doing that has just ended up yeah. being a really good story because like who goes to Pablo Escobar's mansion to talk to a bunch of retired dudes and then ends up hitchhiking with millionaire Venezuelans? Like who does that? <laughs> like, you. You appar- do that. <laughs> apparently. Um, but yeah, so half of the stuff that I've done that ended up being a really good story wasn't necessarily so great in the moment. Yes. But well, who, just... wants, who, who wants like there, there's no like climax in a story that doesn't have any climax you know so it's right. like you need you need the the I don't know uh, oh, to you I don't even know if it's the right word but it's like an old uni word you need the juxtaposition of the good and the bad yeah, in order to make sure. a decent story and that's what life is right like and something that I wrote down before was like you know with the whole because I know over the years you've over the last few years with the travel and the digital nomad lifestyle you've had moments where you've really struggled with like people thinking that this is like some kind of dream that they oh, can, sure. you know, like it's sold as this, like, oh look, look at me on the swing and mm-hmm. what, whatever, <laughs> like, um, yeah. And and they can they can see that as some kind of destination and like all oh, your life is perfect, but things can be equally amazing and shit at the same time. And yeah. in fact, it's often the shit that makes the things amazing. So, oh, for sure. Like, I mean, you know, people looking at photos of me in New York and being like, oh, I'm so jealous. I was moving from sublet to sublet week to week. I was so burned out that I was starting to become physically unwell and just all of these things. It's like people definitely see it as kind of an aspirational lifestyle. And I'm like, you don't know my life. (laughs) It's just, yeah, it's definitely, that's definitely something I have a lot of trouble with. Um, Yeah. You know, that people kind of But it's also a choice. It's also a choice that you've made, you know, a choice that you've made to to live in this place where, um, where you're almost untethered. Uh, yeah and I think it is part of that whole thing of very much my like central focus right now is living a life I'm proud of and being a person I can be proud of and travel for me is a huge part of that like it's it's wanting to do these things that I never thought I maybe could do but I always wanted to do it's um wanting to learn about different cultures wanting to open my eyes up to what the world is like I don't ever want to be a really sheltered person I um, anymore. Like I think, you know, realizing just how sheltered and privileged you've been is a big thing. Um, and I think, yeah. you know, just, yeah, like I, and I guess 
people, I, I have had a few people ask me, like, how do you even do this? As somebody who has anxiety, like I've got a few friends who have really quite severe anxiety, especially social anxiety. Um, mm. And they're just like, I just couldn't do it. Like, how are you doing this? And it's just like, you either just kind of do it or you don't. Like, you're never not going to be a person with anxiety. You just, you get to decide whether that is, and I mean, there's no shame in that, I don't think. Like, you know, when I was in that really bad place with PTSD, I, you know, the choices that I would have had to make then would be quite different to what I have to make now. But it's like, and I don't necessarily ever do anything stupid. Like, I don't, um, you know, like, for example, I don't know. Like, I, I wouldn't ever put myself in a situation where there is serious possibility, like, for me to get horrendously triggered or, you know, for there to be serious issues. Like, I don't ever... Like for like, it's hard to explain, but I just kind of like, I'm ne- like, I take calculated risks. I think there's been times I've gone to places that are probably a little bit dodgy, but they're always kind of calculated risks. Um, yeah, I, I just, I, I, I travel as myself. Like I understand who I am better, the limitations I have better, kind of because I've done this. Mm. But yeah, like I, I don't like my. It's not like I'm traveling in spite of my, my anxiety. It's not like I've magically. It's like not like how do you how have you done this? It's like well, I'm just how do doing. you overcome it? Yeah, yeah it's like just I'm just, just I'm just doing, doing it day it. by day. I'm just doing it because it's just yeah, like what you know. It's I, I don't think it would be realistic for me to ever expect that I'm not going to be somebody who someone says something mean to me or I have a rough conversation with a friend or something goes wrong at work that I'm going to be completely not affected by that or that I'm not going to have these kind of little cycling thoughts. I'm not, it's not, it's just kind of how I was made, I guess. And like I said, like sometimes I see it as a it's, good thing. but And it's also the nature of being human. Oh, you know, yeah. It like, is the nature of being human. It, it um, yeah. yeah, we're all, we're always going to be experiencing self-doubt and we're always going to be affected in some way by the people around us. And if we weren't, we'd be a sociopath. Yeah, you know? <laughs> for sure. So, just, so you're better off uh, uh, feeling the things and just being uh-huh. okay with the feels rather than yeah. being an avoidance of the feels. And I feel like when we start to embrace that part of things, that's mm. when things can shift and we can Being start okay acting. with the feels, oh, my God, that's been the biggest one too. The biggest lesson of anything has been that it's easier to recover from FOMO than burnout. Like Totally. That... I just, I have to sometimes, even if anxiety is telling me like that I'm wasting my time, that I'm in this amazing place, what am I even doing, that I should be out doing things, sometimes you just got to watch Netflix and eat popcorn or whatever. Like sometimes you just have to let yourself have a day. That's like, that's been a big one, just allowing, creating space for my humanity has been a big thing especially because I need to do this sustainably it's not like I'm just on holiday and then I go home in two weeks and it's just all fine and I can rest like I have to um like you know and days when anxiety is taking over or days when I feel like I'm burning out or days when I just cannot do the things like absolutely there's times when I overcome and I prove to myself that I can do it and there's times when I just have to be okay with myself and be like look the damage of doing this to my nervous system right now is just not a good thing like when I was um again when I was in um Ecuador 
and it was my birthday and there was an opportunity to go zip lining, which is something I'd wanted to do for a really long time. And I, um, I ended up doing it later on, but with a different company in a different place. But I'd gone on, like everybody was, I looked at it and I'd, I'd put the harness on everything. There was a lot of pressure from the people who owned the place. Like, cause I was on this little like bus tour thing. It was the only way to get to Cascade and Del Diablo, which I really wanted to see was to go on this little bus tour where they stop you at different landmarks. Um, and so I just looked at it and I was like, you know what? Like, this is not that moment. Like, this is not a moment for, I just need to feel the fear and do it anyway. This is me feeling really not good about this. And I think I'm going to regret it. Um, that was definitely, so, you know, it's, yeah, you, you definitely have to create space for your humanity. And sometimes you just have to be like, look, this is, this is not going to work out for me. Um, or this is not going to be good for me, I think. Um, yeah, totally. There, there has to yeah. be times where you just have to show yourself a little bit of kindness and like not look at the other people who can just do it with ease and just be like, you know, this is kind of who I am. Um, in this moment, I, I just, and that's, it's, again, I think it's learning to trust your instincts again too. Like that, that's part of me trusting my instincts is that like, yeah, this is probably going to be fine but it just doesn't feel right and learning to be okay with saying no, because I think the anxiety as well is kind of like, if I say no to this, everyone's going to think I'm a total wimp. Mm. Um, if I, you know, whatever, like, yeah. Letting yeah go but by that. saying, but by saying yes to something due to the way other people are seeing you and not honoring yourself actually mm. does nothing to cultivate that trust that you've spent so many years rebuilding within yourself oh, for sure like putting for yourself s- through all of these you know crazy experiences mm-hmm. and um because that's not yeah. what it is at all like it's not like putting myself through crazy stuff so I just become a daredevil yeah. it's like yeah learning to trust myself and doing things that I want to do um it's not just a case of becoming completely reckless at all um and I think as well it's made me kinder to other travelers who I can see going through similar stuff like when I was in Costa Rica there was um I was up, I forget where I was, with some friends and there was a bunch of other people who were about to go ziplining and there was this one girl and she was like freaking out and like everyone else was pressuring her and saying all this stuff and I just went down and I said, look, okay, total stranger, this feels a bit weird, but you don't have to do this. I'm like, if you want to do it, it's probably going to be amazing. You're probably going to have a great time. I've been ziplining before. It, it really is safe. You've got a good instructor here. Like I can tell just by, you know, looking at you know the way he's checking everything that you that you know he clearly cares about your safety and I said to her look you know the first line is just a short line if you want to do it you can do it but there's no shame in saying no if you don't want to do this I'll walk out with you we'll go out together you're not on your own it's not like you're being abandoned by the group or whatever like if you want to say no you know I'll I'll stick with you and she ended up saying no and we ended up going to the cafe and having a great time but like it was that moment of like, it was a good moment and that sort of, it was like, you know, feeling like I can offer something because I've been here. Like I have both done the things and not done the things. Mm. And so, yeah, being somebody to, who to somebody else would like, cause I understood like what she was going through, like all of the stuff they were saying was no different to what she was hearing in her head. They were just saying exactly what her own head would have been telling her, that she was a whip, that she was chickening out. They're like, why don't you just do it? Like, come on, it'll be amazing. Like, just get over yourself. Like, I think 
she needed to hear somebody say like you're you're okay like it's okay it's okay to say no like it is okay to be anxious it is okay to want to have a step back so yeah I think um yeah perception versus reality I guess really isn't it like it's like people sort of see me doing all these amazing things like wow you must be so fearless oh wow I can't even do that they don't see the moments where I say no or they don't see the mm. moments where I am just like, you know what, like I'm just staying home today and making a tray of roast vegetables and getting into bed. <laughs> yeah, all the days where, just... you're, where you're, you know, walking through a track and all the voices are in your head and you're like, holy fuck, you know, I just got to keep going. Like pe- people, yeah, don't, they people, just don't, people aren't in our heads, they're in their own heads, which is pretty much the same, <laughs> the same but different. So wrapping up, what would be one thing that you would um, – love for people to take away from your experience with anxiety and using travel as your form of getting to know yourself and your expression in the world? Um, That you can do it, that it is possible to do the things you want to do as yourself, not as someone who's magically cured, not as somebody who has sort of overcome the odds, that you can do it as you with the issues that you have and that you will find healing or you will find change, but it's not, you're still going to be who you are and who you are is kind of okay. That if you were somebody who was an anxious person or whatever, you could, it's, it's, um, it's just a thing. It's just a thing that you have and it doesn't, um, maybe you have to be a little bit kinder to yourself, but it doesn't stop you from doing things that you want to do or living the way that you want to live. Totally, because there's one thing that I say all the time and it's wherever you go, there you are. So it's like, yeah. you know, you can you can travel and this is what I feel has been so um, wonderful about watching you, you know, for people, someone who's been through something really traumatic and huge like you had um, can then go and use travel as a form of escapism. But what you did was actually realise that wherever I go, I am there. So mm-hmm. I got to learn to trust and like and respect and honor myself and yeah, that's um sure. been such a wonderful thing to to witness so thank you for coming on thank you oh, for very, sharing your amazing very, story very last minute and it was kind of you know <laughs> yeah. just our standard talk for like an hour about totally it's just like every, a normal conversation <laughs> nothing and everything oh and where can people connect with you if they want to um yeah learn more about you uh, i have a website now Oh, my God. (laughs) I know, right? I have a website and a mailing list and five-day challenges. I'm like, who even is this person? I have mindset advice now. (laughs) I got tattooed by a monk. (laughs) Well, that was your initiation. (laughs) Yeah, right. Um, But, no, I have a website. It's just theadnomad.com. And my email is just joe at theadnomad.com. And you're on Insta? I am on I am on Insta. I have um, a work Instagram that I sorely neglect. That's just the ad nomad. Cool. Well, thanks. Oh, good. Anytime. <laughs> and that's a wrap. Go to carlynimo.com to find ways to connect to your creativity and live life on your frequency. Until next week, make some 